All right. So first of all, we want to dedicate tonight's learning to Lipman Tzvi Ben Yechezkel. Ben Whose Shleishim is tonight. And it's Neshom Hashem Avin Aliyah. Very soon he should uh, unite, reunite it with his loved ones and all of us here with the coming of Mashiach. Amen. Okay, we're learning Matzazu and the Mirza Hashem are going to conclude the Mimer tonight. Just to recap, the, the, the Mimer begins with a, an excerpt from the Haggadah, a line from the Haggadah, Matzazu shall no eichel this matzah that we eat, why do we eat it? And proceeds to say that we eat it because our ancestors in Mitzrayim didn't even have time for their dough to rise before Hashem revealed Himself and took them out of Egypt. Um, we already explained that what that's describing historically is the matzah that they ate, not at the Seder, the first Seder when they ate from the actual Korban Pesach, but the next morning when they're actually being redeemed. Um, and we ask, why are we associating the matzah that we eat as a commandment to the matzah that they <coughs> ate as sort of an incidental thing, an automatic thing? Um, we proceeded to explain that the matzah that we eat actually possesses certain advantages. Um, the matzah that we eat, although we eat it before midnight, because we endeavor to finish the, uh, the afikoyman before midnight, just like the Korban Pesach was consumed before midnight, it nonetheless has the advantages of the matzah that they ate after midnight, meaning when God revealed himself and took them out. And yet, we have the best of both worlds. We have our cake and eat it too. Pesach Dika cake. Ugais matzah. Maybe that's why they're called Ugais matzah. Avenue Purim Torah. They're called Ugais matzah because we have our Uga and we eat it too. In other words, even though we have the virtue of post-midnight in Egypt, which is that intense godly revelation that didn't even allow Chometz to rear its head, we also have the advantage, simultaneously we have the advantage, of pre-midnight matzah, which means the matzah that you're watching, you're guarding. And not only are you watching and guarding it, but we do it as a, a post-matantayra mitzvah which gives it even more potency, incomparably more potency. So our matzah has all of the advantages. And we were explaining also in the previous ois, in ois base, that um, although generally we speak about the uh, man's work from below being um, inferior to what can be gifted from above, the Rebbe brings out the idea of tispru hamishim yoim, that it's our counting, meaning our Aveda, which ultimately accesses the highest level. And, uh, and our, our mitzvah of eating matzah actually reaches 
because it comes from our work and a year's worth of, of Torah mitzvahs before eating the matzah at the Seder, and the eating the matzah at the Seder itself is a mitzvah, then it reaches even higher, or reaches the highest level, which we're, we were talking about last week, different levels within, uh, within Kesser, which correspond to uh, Nun, or Shar Nun, of the Nun Sharibina. Okay. Now we're on Ois Gimel. We have to understand regarding this that we say, this is the same excerpt from the Haggadah that we started the Mimer with. We have to understand this that we say, this matzah that we eat, why do we eat it? We eat it because the dough of our ancestors did not manage to rise. The matzah that we're eating after matzah, our, our matzah is not because, like their matzah after midnight, which was accidental matzah or incidental matzah. Our matzah is purposeful, mindful, intentional, deliberate matzah. Wow, there's a lot of synonyms. By the way, somebody once bought me the world's worst thesaurus. Not only was it terrible, (laughs) it was terrible. (laughs) You like that? Okay. Um, Because our matzah that we're eating has the distinct advantage of being a mitzvah. Eating, a, eating matzah the night of the Seder is a mitzvah. Sesim in a Torah is a positive biblical commandment. Come on in. Uvezeh gufa Mitzvah shela achre matan Torah, right? So, in other words, what, is, what does that mean? That it's a commandment, and then the Rebbe emphasizes a commandment after matan Torah. In Mitzrayim, also there were two kinds of matzah. There was the matzah after midnight that was incidental or accidental matzah, and then there was the mitz- the matzah before midnight, which was also a mitzvah, not a real mitzvah. What do I mean, not a real mitzvah? A pre-matan Torah mitzvah. Um, so in Mitzrayim itself, there's a difference between post-midnight and pre-midnight. Pre-midnight is a mitzvah. They were told to eat matzah. It was, it was a, an imperative. Eat matzah with the, with the Korban Pesach. So our, our matzah has this advantage, but not only does it have... What we're saying is we have, our, like I was saying, we have our cake and, and we eat it too. We have the advantage of post-midnight, meaning revelation. Chometz can't even rear its head. But we also have the advantage of pre-midnight, meaning matzah is matzah because we made sure that it should be matzah. We were watching it. And then even in that, there's even a more, more intense aspect of that, which is that it's not just an instruction like they were given before Yitzhiya Mitzrayim to watch the matzah pre-midnight. Our instruction comes from Matan Torah, which was a whole 
paradigm shift within within uh, within reality that it, that allowed the the material world to become a a vessel for for spirituality. So this is a build up to a question because our matzah has all of this. Our, when our act of eating matzah has, has all of this uh, power. So then why do we say, why does the Haggadah say that we're eating it because of what happened in Mitzrayim? In other words, it's sort of selling it short. It's not telling the, the, the full Greatness of our matzah. He says in parentheses, Dezeshuhu matzah v'leichametsu b'memela. This, that the matzah, shlehispik, that it refers to in the, in the Haggadah, this, that it was matzah, not chametz, was an automatic thing. Mipnei shlehispik l'hachmitz. Because it didn't manage to rise. So again, we're selling it short, by describing it that way, we should say, seemingly, this matzah that we eat, you know why we eat it? We eat it because God rescinded the decree separating the spiritual and the physical, and he gave us commandments that draw spirituality into the physical world, and one of them is eating this matzah. Seemingly, that's what we should say. So therefore, we might, we might say that Rebbe is answering the question, saying a chidush. Habir the explanation of this, is as follows: Ki mitzvah sipur yitzias mitzrayim he lesapra inyid yitzias mitzrayim kemeisha hayaaz. Short and sweet, direct answer. When you say this matzah that we eat, why are we eating it? It's in the context of the Haggadah. And the Haggadah is, Haggadah is Magid. Magid means to tell, to tell the story. So we're telling the story as it was. So that's the simple answer. The simple answer is, we want to talk about matzah in the context of how it was historically. However, that, that answer is not entirely sufficient. So furthermore, and primarily, meaning the second answer is the main answer. Here's the main answer. Since, as we say in the Haggadah, if the Holy One had not taken our fathers out of Mitzrayim, we would still be enslaved to Pare in Mitzrayim. So it's a little bit more than just commemorating historically the conditions as they were. What we're saying is, in potential, this could have been our current reality as well. Now you're going to say, how would you be sitting in a seder and eating matzah if Hashem never took us out of Mitzrayim? Well, yeah, that's true. Hashem did take us out of Mitzrayim. It's an, it's an impossibility to, to imagine that He didn't take us out of Mitzrayim. We're not saying He could have, maybe not. 
What we're saying is, as at least as a mental exercise, imagine if he hadn't. Why, why are we imagining if he hadn't? So that you understand something. The fact that we are out of Mitzrayim is only because of divine intervention, because he took us out of Mitzrayim. Therefore, we inherently and intrinsically, on our own, left, left to our own power, had no way out of Mitzrayim. This is a very important concept in general regarding Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that no slave ever successfully left Mitzrayim. It did not happen. There was not one escapee. In fact, there was one famous attempt. A group from Shevet Ephraim attempted to get out, and they ended up, even though they crossed the border, they soon met uh, Plishtim, and they were killed. And in fact, when the Jews finally did leave Mitzrayim, when Hashem took them out, He took them on a roundabout way. One of the reasons was so they wouldn't see this slaughter, the remnants, the, the crime scene, so to speak. And it would have demoralized them. So the point is that no one ever successfully got out of Mitzrayim. And it's not just that no one... That, that it's not just a point of fact that no one ever managed to get out. The truth is you could extrapolate from there that no one ever would get out because it wasn't possible by human power to get out. So our... Without Hashem, in, intrinsically, we're still there. Now, of course, we're not there because Hashem took us out. But there remains something in us that is still intrinsically susceptible to remaining in Mitzrayim. In other words, when we talk about how it was back then, we're not just reminiscing or, or, or recalling. We're actually describing at least in potential or in theory, how it would be now, left on our own, without Hashem. Lochein, therefore, gam achshav, even now, even now that we were removed from Mitzrayim, ubefrat belela pesach, especially on the night when we're celebrating that, it, that Hashem did something for us. 210 years, nobody could do it. And it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't that it would have taken another 210 years. It, it, it could have been given 210 million years. Never was happening. So on the night of Pesach, we recall that Hashem took us out. Even though historically, chronologically speaking... As point of fact, we are alive after the events of the Exodus and after the giving of the Torah. Yes, that's all true. Nevertheless, in a certain way, the conditions that existed back then continue to exist now. There's a little bit, you have to be a little bit of an abstract thinker. I mean, when you learn Exodus, you have to be able to think abstractly. It's not binary. It's not black and white. It's not either or. Are we, are we in Mitzrayim or are we out of Mitzrayim? Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, we're out of Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out. But at, at, at the same time, 
you have to be able to appreciate the fact that we're only out by virtue of his intervention. And therefore, even when we're out, there's still a, a, a part of us that is in Mitzrayim and that's in need of redemption and that needs to depend on Hashem and that can't get itself out of this situation. I don't want to get into a whole lengthy explanation about this, but there, there was a shear last week that uh, about, uh, I think we called it uh, pre-Pesach, spiritual pre-Pesach cleaning or something. I forgot what the title was we gave it. but the, spiritual, uh, spring. Well, spiritual spring cleaning, okay. But the, the point there was explaining the idea of Mitzrayim is Mitzorim, meaning straits or narrows. And when you're stuck in the straits, when you're stuck, it's not that you're not trying hard enough. It's not that you didn't come up with a good plan. It's not that, you know, you have to find a new method and then maybe you'll get out. That's not called being stuck. That's called you got to work harder, you got to work smarter, you got to, you know, figure it out and make a plan and get out. That's not Mitzvotim. Mitzvotim is when I am in a situation that I cannot extract myself from and that no human power can extract me from. And therefore, I'm completely dependent on Hashem, and the only option, the only choice I have, is not how I'm going to get myself out of this thing, because there are no paths to get myself out. The only option that I get to exercise is to surrender or not to surrender. So that's what we're saying. Even though we were taken out of Mitzrayim, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like the guy who has a five o'clock uh, meeting and he's circling around the block and he's running late and he, he's in Manhattan and he can't find a parking space. So he says, oh God, please open up a parking space for me and I'm, uh, I'm going to give my sale, I'll give 10% from the money I make in this deal at this meeting. Nothing happens. And he circles around the block some more. He says, oh God, open up the space. And I'm going to give Chaymish. I'm going to give 20% from the deal. Nothing happens. He says, God, this is serious. I'm going to give you half. Just open up the space. I'm going to give you half of whatever I make. And lo and behold, the space opens up. He says, God, hold on. Never mind. A space just opened up. So the, the idea is that even when the space opens up, meaning even when Hashem takes you out of Mitzrayim, that you remember, hold on a second, a space didn't just open up. Not that Yadi did this, not me, or any human power. Hashem did it for me. <coughs> and if Hashem hadn't done, done it for me, then you want to know the current reality in, in theory? In theory, the current reality is we're, we're still there. We would still be there. Okay. So that's what we're bringing out here. That even though we have these advantages to our matzah that they didn't have back then. Nevertheless, we sort of put ourselves in that, in that mentality and refer to our matzah in a way that's actually anachronistic. Referring to our matzah as matzah that didn't manage to rise is an anachronism, an anachronism meaning <laughs> it only applied back then. It certainly doesn't ap apply today. And nevertheless, we mention it that Abbe gave two explanations. The first one is to sort of reminisce or recall or, re, you know, retell how it happened back then. 
but then on a deeper level to realize in theory that would still be us that would still be us and we want to remember that we want to retain that humility and that sense of dependence so we have that that's why we mention it Volochin Emrim, that's therefore why we say, when we tell the story of going out of Mitzrayim in the Agoda, remember that this whole thing wasn't by dint of human power. The whole thing happened from above to below so fast that they didn't even have time for their bread to rise. And on a deeper level, like we were saying before in Ois Aleph, it happened with such intensity of godly revelation that dough wouldn't dare to rise. But again, that was all coming, that was all coming as a revelation unilaterally from above. And we got to remember that. We got to remember our dependence on Hashem. The matzah that we eat, in fact, before chatzais, meaning currently today, at our Seder. So it has a few advantages. First of all, in, adva- in addition to it having the advantage of the matzah of before chatzais, meaning the matzah that they ate in Mitzrayim before chatzais, the matzah that they ate because they were told to do it. Which is, what's the maila of that? the mile of pre-midnight matzah, that the tachtoin, that the lower creatures are involved in doing something Hashem told them to do, but that was only as commandments were pre-matzah. But we have gam, mile of matzah, so we have two milas, so don't worry, we're going to have more. But so far, we just said two milas, two advantages. We have the advantage of pre-midnight in Mitzrayim, meaning it was a command, but a, albeit a pre-matantoyed command. We also have the advantage of post-midnight in Mitzrayim, matzah, which is a gili milamila. Intense revelation from above, from above to below. The nice of Lazab, but now you're counting. Now a third advantage that we have in our matzah. matzah yesh gama ili de matzah de matzah de mitzad matzah Our our matzah also has the advantages that come by dint of matzah It wasn't just a tzivoy like they had in Mitzrayim. It's much more than that, incomparably more than that. Like we were speaking about before, bitalag zeta. It was a total change in reality. Kiyom mitzvah shalachri matan So how many advantages does our matzah have now? What are we up to? Three. V'yaseda mezul, and even more than that, so now we have a fourth Advantage in our matzah. Sheesh bo gam me'ein ha-mailde chilas matzah b'shvi shal pesach shehirushos. Shalamayla mechaiva. Shehi me'ein ha-achila de la'asid lavei. Also, when we eat matzah, 
at the Seder, although it's a mitzvah, I told him we have our cake and we eat it too. Our matzah, see again, like, yeah, like I said, you have to be able to think abstractly. This is conceptually very complex because we're talking about one matzah, one piece of matzah. Eating one kazayas of matzah. <laughs> I mean, you're eating more, but I'm saying you, you look at one kazayas of matzah. In that one physical piece of matzah, there are four different spiritual qualities simultaneously coexisting. And not just four v- different spiritual qualities, even somewhat conflicting. So there's this whole paradox that's going on in our matzah. On one hand, it's the advantage of doing something because you were told to do it. And not only doing something because you were told to do it, but because Matan Torah gave you the power to do it. On the other hand, it's got the power of something that only Hashem can do for you. And to top it all off, it has the power of something you do even though Hashem didn't tell you to do, because it's too lofty for it to be a commandment. Four things. And they're all happening with that one bite. What's the idea of the the, the matzah that's rashus, that's optional? So really, there's only a chiyov to eat matzah on, on the night of the Seder. The positive commandment is to eat it at the Seder, because you eat it with the with the Korban Pesach, which is only the night of the Seder. If you miss it, there's a Pesach Sheni. The rest of Pesach, there's an Isr of Chomets, obviously, but there's no commandment to eat matzah. How do we learn that eating matzah <coughs> is optional? Because the Pasuk tells us to eat matzah on, uh, for seven days. It's not like sukkahs, where you have a, a mitzvah to, to dwell in the sukkah all seven days. The Chachamim learn out from the Pasuk, where the Torah says, you eat matzah on the seventh day, that this, the seventh day is Roshos, and just like the seventh day is Roshos, all the days are Roshos, except for the first day. So, all matzah from the whole Pesach, except for the first night, is Roshos, but because we learned that out from the Pesach that says the seventh day, so eating matzah as a, as a voluntary thing has a special connection to the seventh day. Now, what's the idea of eating matzah as a voluntary thing, and why is it so lofty? The idea is that some things are just so uh, out of reach that Hashem, so to speak, can't force us to do them. And they only happen because we... uh, we intuitively realize that this is something that would please Hashem. Well, Marshall talks about in Chassidus how because Maidiv is Roshos, and not Alpi Halacha today, but in the Gemara, the times of the Gemara became Halacha, became Binding, but originally, the times of the Gemara, Maidiv was Roshos, it was optional. So Chassidus explains it's the highest level. Or, um, you know, sometimes Al Derech 
Because this will explain how like Simchas Torah is the highest level. Because Simchas Torah is only a minig. It's not a mitzvah. Something we do because of our uh, because of our sensitivity to Hashem. But He didn't force us and He couldn't force us. Because it's so high, it's so lofty. So there's the eating matzah, not as a mitzvah, but as something that we're something that we, we are uh, attuned to, that we know that would please Hashem. And that is sort of a, a glimmer of the way it's going to be when Mashiach comes. When, uh, when, when Mashiach comes, everything is Rishus, so to speak. Not really, because the, mitzvah, the mitzvahs are, are forever, are uh, binding forever. But what it means is that you don't do it as an obligation, it happens almost automatically. As if, you know, like the Chesedish Nigan, Asen Esich, Trinken Trinksich, Vazomenton, Asetavensichnit, Asetlensichnit. So when Mashiach comes, it's gonna, it's not gonna be Asen Esich, it's gonna be Lernen Lernsich, Davenen Davensich. So it's almost, it's like, it's like Rushus, like the things you do today. You, know, you don't have to be told to eat. You don't have to be told to sleep. You won't have to be told to daven or to learn or to, to do mitzvahs. So when we, when we eat our matzah, even though it's the first night and we're doing it as a mitzvah, it has also the advantage of the mitzvah that we eat when it's voluntary, which is a little glimmer or a foretaste of the, the matzah that we're going to eat and all the mitzvahs that we're going to do when Mashiach comes. Okay. Dalit. So it should be Hashem's will. Whatever says a prayer. And especially since we're going to finish here by giving tzedakah. And we know that tzedakah, uh, the Ha'ara here, 25 says, that uh, tzedakah hastens the coming of the redemption. Along the same lines as the idea that the end of all of Pesach is on Shvishal Pesach. And more than that, in Chutzla Oritz, the, the last day of Pesach isn't Shvishal Pesach, it's Achen Shopesach is a day when there's an emanation or a revelation of Mashiach. So we're saying before that Shvi Shopesach has a connection to Mashiach because it's Matzah is Roshos. And that's a main of the Achila of Matzah that will be after Mashiach comes. That's Shvi Shopesach. And then even more than that, Achen Shopesach has this connection to Mashiach. That's why we have the Mashiach Suda. It's also it's the eighth day. Eight being above Tava, or like uh, it talks about that the, the, the Kina and the Beis HaMikdash was seven strings, when Mashiach comes it'll be eight strings, that seven is nature, eight is above nature, seven is Ishtalshlis, eight is above Ishtalshlis. So, what I was saying here, that we have the idea of Shvi Pesach, we have the idea of Achrin Shal Pesach, both of these connected to Mashiach and Gula. 
And now, more specifically, regarding the connection between Achin Shal Pesach and Gula Shalachin Gam Haftara Be Achin Shal Pesach Be Biasa Mashiach. The Haftara on Achin Shal Pesach speaks explicitly about Mashiach. Yesh Lakasha Zeh Gam Im Shmini Shal Pesach. Kiba Haftara Ksiv Bayeim Hahu Yesef Hashem Shenis Yadi Liknes Shar Ame Asher Yisho Er Mezayin Mekemish Shal Golas. Says in the in the haftorah of 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 Achin uh, Pesach that Hashem will again increase His hand to acquire His the remnants of His nation that are remaining in the seven places of exile, Ashur Mitzrayim Vachulu Vashmini Hayam, and the eighth place that's enumerated are the islands, the little islands, Yaviyim Lamatzav Shel Shmini, and He will bring them. To a to a to a, a state of shmini, meaning a state of above nature, a state of of redemption. Hamatz of the gula amitus vashlema. Viyakuyim hayyud bepashtus bechol apratim vegam bepnimios. And then what will happen is the fulfillment of the prophecy, literally, in all of its details, and also in a way that is internalized, meaning. Not just objectively it will be true that this will be the situation in the world, but even subjectively, this is how you'll feel, you'll be in tune with it, you'll internalize it. That the whole world will be full of the knowledge of Hashem, just like water covers the ocean bed. So, anyways, that's uh, that's our mimer, and uh, gives us plenty to think about. Why is it that if you're exposing knowledge, you're using the example of covering, shouldn't it be knowledge as an uncovering the waterbed? I mean, it's just it's like a paradox. The knowledge is going to be everywhere. That's the idea. The knowledge is everywhere. going to be universally accessible. As it covers, as it hides. <coughs> it's covering because it's replete. Hmm? It's covering because it's replete. It's, it's in such abundance that it covers. Not covering as in hiding the chaser. Right. It's not, uh, it's not concealing something that you would want it's not. Uh, it's not a blockage. <laughs> well, what if I would tell you that right now, air covers the face of the earth. That's not a blockage. That's a good thing. There, air is so ubiquitous and accessible. It'll be good. I mean, that that's good. It is good. If we would say that uh, you know you have to be careful because you could be driving down the road and you might drive into a place where there's no air. Right? If you, you, find, you only find out because you get woozy and you pass out. Mm-hmm. Coal mine. Like a coal mine, right? And they got to turn around and get out. So, water covering the ocean bed is like, uh, or, or, or I'll give you a better marshal, more modern day marshal. You go into a place and there's no Wi Fi. <laughs> Where's the Wi Fi? What, kind of, what kind of operation is this? So the knowledge is going to cover the face of the earth, 
like there will be Wi-Fi access everywhere. You wouldn't call that covering. You call that's that's. Well, oh, actually, you do call we'll coverage. Call coverage. coverage. We call it coverage. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I couldn't uh, get your message. I was driving through the middle of nowhere. I had no coverage. That's always the excuse you use, right? When you don't want to call somebody back. I was in the middle of the mountains. I was in a canyon. I'm sorry, I had no coverage. Why the mile of the, set, the, the, the days that there's no chiyuv to eat matzah? Because don't we learn from Beit Meyam Aram Nemo, that the, there's a greater mile when there is a chiyuv, that he waited? Like I said, nothing's binary. It's not black and white. That's why the answer to any either-or question is, is always yes. Is it this or is it this? Yes. Right? The classic joke, how can they both be right? Oh, you're also right. Uh -huh. So there are advantages to everything. Every, there's yesh bezeh, masha'ein bezeh. There's always a distinct advantage to everything. What the Rebbe is saying here is that every possible advantage that could be in any scenario of eating matzah, meaning in Mitzrayim before midnight, in Mitzrayim after midnight, after Matan Torah on the first night of Pesach, after Matan Torah on the seventh night of Pesach. We got it all at once. It's a spiritual thing. It's not limited. It's not confined. We have, we have all of it at the same time. Best of all possible worlds, right. And that's what the Haggadah is hinting to us when it says that we're eating the matzah for an anachronistic reason. Yeah. 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 I want to thank you for answering the question that's been bothering me ever since I was a little kid. Uh, that, you know, what's the meaning of matzah we eat? This is the bread that our ancestors in Egypt. And then every time I read it, it said that they didn't have time to let the dough rise. So it implied that they put in the water and they did everything already. And I said, well, that's not matzah as we know it, you know, because if they already added water and they didn't bake it within 18 minutes, it's uh, it's not matzah. But you distinguished that absolutely clearly. Right. I, right. That's how the Alter Rebbe explains it, that it couldn't rise. Well, it probably rose to some extent, you know, if, you, if you're a baker and you add and you add water to flour, um, you get you get basically a, a matzah cake. It's not you know it's not what we know as matzah. It it it, uh -huh. it, it pops up just a little bit. I don't know if that's because of the the chimuts the or or not, but uh, it seems what what it's saying is that anything that would be chimuts, which is the um, I guess the what the yeast in the the natural yeast in the flour yeah the natural yeast in the flour was it it's uh, expirating uh, carbon, dioxide. carbon dioxide so yeah. that's not happening at all okay yeah I wonder if there are physical conditions that could be created that would cause that in Israel have you have these they look like rolls but supposedly they're uh, they know they have a tradition. They know how to do it right. I'm wondering if there's a way, or I'm sure there is a way. I'm wondering what conditions could be created that may, would make it impossible cold, 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 for cold temperature, yeah, probably. temperature problems. How cold? 
with refrigerated temperatures for sure, but uh, oh, you could you could also also any any type of chemical that would uh, you know that would kill the uh, natural yeast would probably you know, salt excess of salt. Uh, who knows? Uh -huh. like a slightly unrelated question. Um, why did Hashem personally and not through an angel or seraph have to take us out of Egypt? Because Hashem himself, being the essence of Hashem, had to be involved in the order of nature, in the order of creation. There was really no reason why we should be shown any favoritism the way we were. It's only because God chose us, and his choice of us was an essential choice. It wasn't because of anything that would have motivated him emotionally, so to speak, or intellectually, so to speak, but because of just his essential choosing. He chose Abraham through a angels he chose uh, yeah well Avram was chosen because of his his advantages his his virtues that's not that's not what we're talking about here we're not Jewish because Avram was so great we're Jewish because of God's choosing 